B Show, 1025 The Bone. Back, Will Coots here. Johnny B at Side Splitters. Check it in a little bit later, hopefully, after his set. But in the meantime, this has kind of become a tradition for TM and I over the past few weeks, where it's just him and I. TM Powell, our, our movie critic, media critic. And uh, he texted me today, and he saw the Jungle Cruise with The Rock, and I was really excited about that. I love The Rock. So without further ado, oh, and I have a question for him, too. TM. Yes. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Yeah, I don't mind pineapple on pizza. I don't want it all the time, but I don't mind it every once in a while. Agreed. Sure. Agreed. I don't know if you heard yeah. the guy who called in a little while ago, but he was very passionate about no pineapple on pizza. And I feel like he's kind of depriving himself of some joy. Get a little bit of ham. You know, obviously you want the ham on it as well. Uh, you know, get the right kind of cheese. But yeah, the little like sweet taste. I know this sounds crazy. Well, like I, I kind of like like pineapple pizza at like, at like the office part, if that makes sense. Because somebody will always get, you know, one pineapple pizza, you know, to be a jerk to everyone else or to be the cool <laughs> person that got pineapple pizza. And I'm always like, oh, I'll have a piece. And yeah. it's good. I like it. Yeah, heck you know, yeah. some people that rag on pineapple pizza, they'll rag on white clam pizza, which I think is some of the best food on the face of the earth. And I'm not even pizza guy, so oh my you God. know, I, I mean, yeah, just mix it up a little bit. Dessert pizza, whatever it want to be. Pizza can be pizza. Yeah, you're right, and it is. It, it when it's in that setting where somebody will always get it just to have a few pieces here and there, you know, so everybody can kind yeah. of share. That's what's up. I don't want. I probably wouldn't get a whole pizza to myself of the pineapple, but. I mean, if it's there, I'm definitely going to have a slice, 100%. Have you ever had the lobster pizza from Gennaro's? Absolutely. It's fantastic. Oh, that's that's one of my favorite foods ever. But, you know, he, he was a professional wrestler, yeah. you know, and now he's the most bankable male star in Hollywood in terms of what he can gross back. He he really has solidified himself. But this time around, I, I, I saw something even different out of him, and that was he could carry kind of, you know, a simple story in some ways where you're basing it off an attraction at Disney world, but he can take that vehicle as we should say it, like, you know, the project and kind of make it much better than it was with a lot of help from Emily Blunt. I, I was, you know, I was very happy with jungle cruise. I thought it was a good time. It was like a throwback to like, you know, like an old Disney adventure type film. It's going to get a lot of comparisons to something like pirates in terms of the action, the CG, how it looks. And I would agree with him, too. But I would also say it reminded me of, you know, something like being such a great actress and, you know, being able to blend with just about anybody and also showing kind of how far The Rock has come as an actor. I used to kind of use the word entertainer for him when he first started. That was not a knock against him. It was just he was a pro wrestler turned actor. I think there's a lot more to him now. I think Dwayne Johnson has, has done a good job of separating himself from The Rock when it comes to acting, much like a Dave Batiste or anybody else. And now, obviously, this summer we're seeing it with John Cena. But to, to think, you know, 20 years ago he's in the squared circle wrestling to now headlining one of the Disney tentpole films, it, it really is a miraculous, you know, journey. And I know this sounds corny, Will. They talk about the American dream. Quite frankly, if you look at The Rock and know his story, I mean, it is kind of the American dream. Oh, yeah. I remember I was I was such a big fan of his that I even got his autobiography that the WWE, I guess it, I guess it was WWF at that time, put out. I was a teenager. I was like 13, and I got it. And he was uh, playing football, too, at, at the University of Miami down here in Florida. And uh, a man named Warren Sapp came into camp the year after. He was, uh, he did, he was doing fairly well. And just took his spot, and that's when he had to figure out something else to do after Warren Sapp came into town. 
Yeah, and uh, his show Young Rock on NBC, they explore that part of his life. You know, they talk about when he was a kid, you know, you know, kind of moving around with his dad, Rocky Johnson, living in basically like a little bitty apartment in Pennsylvania to getting to the University of Miami. And then obviously we know what happened. But, I mean, it, it is an incredible journey. And he's and one of the reasons Jungle Cruise works as well as it does is is because he has that star power charisma. I, I know it sounds corny, but when he used to wrestle, I used to say to myself, he's going to do something more than this. He was different from the rest of the guys in terms of how he was an entertainer and how he was a performer, especially during the attitude era of the WWE. He was one of their shining stars when there were bright stars like Steve Austin and everyone else in that area. And I just looked at him. I was like, he's going to leave one day. Like somebody's going to put him in movies and he's going to leave. And that's exactly what happened. And it's just, it's just gotten bigger and bigger. And yeah, he had some movies that didn't get as much attention, you know, as some of the other films. But I think when he jumped into that fast and the furious franchise, I think that opened him up to an international audience and just almost gave him confidence. Will I know it sounds crazy. He's the rock. You look at him and he's, you know, this big tall specimen of the dude, but no matter what, you need confidence in what you're doing. And I think, when he kind of helped revamp that franchise, I think it really gave him some confidence to now he can lead a film like Jungle Cruise and make a movie about a Disney ride actually a good time. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't it wasn't a, a book or anything like that. That this was just literally a ride at Disney. Where did where did the ride come from? Well, the ride was just always one of the original rides at Disney. It's any Jungle Cruise ride, and it's funny that they kind of incorporate. The, the kind of bad puns that the you know the boat drivers kind of do on the on Disney uh, Jungle Cruise boats, and they kind of incorporate that into the story as well with the Rock because it takes place during World War One, and uh, you know you're going to get some par- comparisons to the old movie African uh, Queen with Humphrey Bogart. I can totally see that it has a lot of look and feel to that as well, but this one does take place in South America. And, uh, yeah, they just kind of just were like, okay, you know, we got that Disney nostalgia going for us. Let's see what happens. It worked with Pirates of the Caribbean. It did not work with Tomorrowland. I don't think it worked with the Haunted Mansion, although now I'm seeing that they're going to reboot the Haunted Mansion again, this time with Tiffany Haddish and Lakeith Stansfield. So, that was a movie? You know, it's, it's, it, yo, the Haunted Mansion was a movie with Eddie Murphy. Of course. Yeah. When? I mean, you know. Will, you know how Hollywood works. I mean, right when they see something catch, like, oh, my gosh, we made a movie based on Pirates of the Caribbean, and it became a billion-dollar hit. Well, what else do we have, you know? Uh, so, uh-huh. you know, Haunted Mansion. you got to think of those classic kind of staple Disney rides. I mean, I don't think you could do a movie with It's a Small World, but I wouldn't count it out. Sure. <laughs> yeah, way. why not? Yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like with The Rock, and he's had such success, and I was thinking, is he the first one to do it? But I guess there's been trendsetters and and path layers ahead of him i guess hogan was one where he was in a bunch of movies and it i guess it's kind of a a natural progression too because it seems weird having a wrestler be an actor but i mean if you think about it they're acting all the time some are better than others so it's kind of a natural progression sure and they've all you know kind of you know tried it out obviously you know, Hogan did it in No Holds Bar. That was a very WWE movie. You know, the whole thing they even played this when I was a kid, they played the storyline of the movie into the actual pro wrestling in SummerSlam that year. Um, but you know, Roddy Piper was in They Live. I love They Live. He was in some of some direct to video kind of action movies. You know, Hogan was in some films, but I think he realized after a while he was gonna make more money in wrestling. Uh, but I think with The Rock, like I said, it was just 
you just look at that guy and he's a charisma monster. Yeah. yeah I mean, sure. in everything of what he does, he's just he's just oozing the charisma and also kind of oozing the charm at the same time too, you know. He was a bad guy that we'd love to root for. I mean, that's how great he was, just arrogant, cocky, but you still, you know, know your role boulevard and jabroni lane. I mean, all that stuff was fantastic. We loved it. And I think that like you said, he could take what he did as a performance a wrestler and apply it there, but I think they all have to realize you have to work a little harder for it. Like, you know, I think people just think like, oh, Dave Batista, he just was in Garden of the Galaxy and got his dream role. Yeah. I mean, he, he did land a dream role that was absolutely perfect for him. But he was also starring in like smaller films and doing guest spots on Smallville. He was working on his craft, like trying to be better, trying to get better. And I think it's sometimes like what kind of probably what Hogan wanted back in the 80s where he wanted to just be a megastar like he was in wrestling, and that's not how it is. Sometimes you have to take supporting roles, and I think we don't we kind of forget that The Rock was in you know weird movies like The Southland Tales or or a good underrated film like Gridiron Gang that's based on a true story, or even like the the Be Cool the you know Get Shorty sequel like had smaller roles. I think you know just getting around those other professionals and seeing how they act helped him. And also, I tell you what else he's he's done good getting these roles because. I know this sounds crazy. Uh, obviously, well, you know wrestling. You know Kevin Nash is obviously big sexy from sure. the NWO. Yeah, he's talked about how he has wanted to do more acting. And I know he was in The Punisher. You know, he's in The Longest Yard. He's been in films here and there. But he says what kills him is the two shot because he's you know seven foot tall mm. and the actors are pretty small. So yeah. I think The Rock <laughs> has found a way to cheat that as well because The Rock's not Kevin Nash. He's not seven foot, but he's a big freaking dude. Yeah, he says he's six five. Here now, I I yeah. feel like they always uh, go up maybe a, two, a few inches, but I know, he's not definitely not a small man. Well, no, and imagine him standing next to somebody. I, know, I feel bad. We always compare this, but it is always the one that sticks out. Like imagine the Rock standing next to Tom Cruise. I mean, Tom right. Cruise is not a tall man. He's not, you know, and the Rock would tower over him. So, but I, I just I, I'm, I'm every time I see him up there on screen in a film like Jungle Cruise, it's so entertaining. I, I just I I'm just like man you know you did good like that's just kind of what I think about him like he he did it right he did good will he ever win an Oscar or something like that I don't know but I wouldn't count him out yeah. I mean if someone gave him the you know a good role to write with and you know he maybe got like a supporting type role I know people go, oh my God the Rock winning an Oscar well we didn't think he'd be the most bankable star in Hollywood at one point but here we are. Yeah, he has to play at least it used to be the case anyway. I don't even think you can do this anymore because you have to be you know, the thing, if you want to play the thing, for example, there was Scarlett Johansson who was going to play this role of this uh, transgender gangster type of person, and then she had to, you know, drop it because uh, she's not transgendered, and that, that was a thing. She got a lot of backlash online. But he had to play, he would have to play like a gay guy or a mentally handicapped individual or something like that, and I don't think you could do that anymore. I know Sean Penn was even talking about, he didn't, he didn't think that he could play Harvey Milk now, and that was only, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, and he may be right. You know, I, listen, I, I I don't know how I feel about that, like, because at the end of the day, it is acting at the same time. Right. But I do think that everyone should, like, if, if it's a role for, a, you know, a gay man, maybe you should look at some gay actors first. But I don't want to just say, no, you can't do that, you know. But you also get into some weird situations, too, where, uh, just doing a Scarlett Johansson, where she was in Ghost in the Shell. They thought that the casting had whitewashed that character who was supposed to be Asian. Um, and you see it in reverse situations. Uh, 
people weren't really thrilled that Michael B. Jordan was playing the Human Torch. That's the truth. They weren't, you know, because they always thought of Johnny Storm as a, you know, white guy with blonde hair. You know, so it can go both ways. Uh, the perfect example, the female Ghostbusters. People lost their damn minds over that, Will. Did, I mean, did they? I feel like they just take a few people on Twitter, but I don't really pay too much attention. No, I, I think that there was... I can tell you, I did some stuff on my old show where I talked about that it wasn't just the idea of the all women that I that I thought it was going to be a financial mistake because I knew that half the audience was going to be pissed off at that notion of doing the all women, and you were just going to alienate half the audience. Now, were you alienating kind of an ignorant part of the audience? Absolutely. Did I think the Ghostbusters movie with the all female cast was bad? No. Did I think it was great? No, and unfortunately, what I said about the box office, it was going to hurt at the end of the day. Let me ask you a question because that kind of of plays into what we have going on this week, too. Yeah. So the new Ghostbusters trailer came out this week. Now, Will, I I hate to put you on the spot. How old are you? I am 36 years old. Okay, so you're 36. I'm 44. Ghostbusters is definitely more in my wheelhouse, Mm -hmm. but you've definitely grown up with Ghostbusters being a factor. Oh, no Do you doubt. care about Ghostbusters? Do you care about Ghostbusters? Do you like Ghostbusters? I, I loved the originals, absolutely. I watched them many, many times. Now, it, you know me with movies and TV. I don't watch anything anymore. I just don't have, really have the time, you know, to, to do this. I would love to. I didn't see the last Ghostbusters with the ladies, and it wasn't because they were ladies. I just didn't care too much about it. And I got to be honest with you, I meant to watch the preview for Ghostbusters before I talked to you today. I forgot to do it. I didn't even get to watch the trailer yet. Well, I, I do think that that's, like you said, you know, you like it too. So me and you definitely are in a different generation. You're kind of one generation down for you. But for a movie that I will admit only really has a one great film, that franchise has managed to stay around forever, you know, and be important. Maybe it's the Halloween factor. Maybe it's that catchy theme song, which people laugh at me when I say that may be the most popular song from a movie ever. And they just scoff mm. at me and I'm like, uh, everybody knows the word. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, you know, it's got to be in the conversation, you know. So, I, But I have said before that I think that Ghostbusters runs into a problem where the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, I, I'm not kidding when I say this, Will. You know I love movies and you know I try to educate myself on movies, too, and really bring a good aspect to it. I said before, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is the biggest high-risk, high-reward scene in any movie in the history of movies. And it's just because imagine if someone, you were in a, in a studio meeting and someone pitches you that idea. Yeah. That <laughs> the thing at the end is going to be a marshmallow man. Right. Now, it turns out it's one of the most iconic things in movie history. I mean, if you, you see the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, Will, you know exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, it's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Mm-hmm. I think having a moment like that has kind of left them in a hole as a franchise where they feel that they have to top that, but quite frankly, Will, they may never top it. But this new movie with Paul Rudd, with Jason Reitman, who's Ivan Reitman's son, who Ivan Reitman directed the first one, and Jason Reitman's now directing this one, you know, directed films like Juno, Up in the Air. Um, I think the idea of maybe giving it a Stranger Things vibe and connecting to that old universe, I think we could maybe see a Ghostbusters film that we've been wanting all these years. Because that was another thing about the reboot a couple years back that I had issue with. You know, it wasn't the casting, it wasn't that. It was their choice not to connect to the old film. It was to be something totally different. And we live in a world of nostalgia 
where stuff like Cobra Kai is a humongous hit now. I mean, a huge hit. This is a YouTube series based on Karate Kid. And the Karate Kid's another franchise that only has one really good movie in the whole franchise, but still is around. I think that was a mistake on them not to connect. And I think that's one thing that Sony's getting right this time is, yes, doing a new story, rebooting it, but also still connecting to that universe and having that DNA. I think it's so important moving, moving forward because, like, my kids, I mean, Ghostbusters comes out in 1984. Obviously, my kids were born way after that. They love Ghostbusters. Yeah. I think Ghostbusters is just too good of a franchise to just let sit. Somebody's got to take a run at it. Somebody's got to get it right. And I think it's probably going to be this time. I really do. Especially because, you know, how everyone was like, you know, delaying releases or doing streaming like Scarlett Johansson suing Disney today over Black Widow being released on Disney Plus. She thinks, you know, they breached contract. Sony was the one that just kept pushing Ghostbusters back. We're like, we're not going to release this. I think they knew they had something good, and the last thing they want to do is drop it on a streamer. I think they want this franchise back just as much as a guy like me does. So you said uh, one of the big things is look of of something. It has to look like – now, this is uh, affiliated with the original Ghostbusters, you said, right? This isn't a new universe. Correct. Ghostbusters Afterlife, and it is, it is basically uh, Egon's kids, Harold Ramis' kids, his grandkids – that's who's the focus of it. Also, it does not take place in New York. It takes place in the Midwest, which I think is kind of cool because, yeah, it's always been kind of, you know, you know, synonymous with New York. Obviously, we talked about the State Buff Marshmallow Man, Ghostbusters 2. They make the, you know, Statue of Liberty walk. But maybe getting out of New York City can help get out of that shadow and kind of make your own place in the universe, if that makes sense. So I think that's a good idea. And also, the proven fact that if you put Paul Rudd in a movie, it will make it better, and Paul Rudd in this movie. <laughs> so, what you saw the you saw the trailer? I'm assuming. What did it look yeah. like? It was the same universe. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Because I was watching one of the Star Wars the other day, the original one, and then the newer ones. It doesn't to me. It doesn't have the same feel. It's almost kind of hard to believe that they're the same universe because they look so different. Well, obviously, Ecto-1's in the trailer. Um, you know, some of the old gadgets are in the trailer. Uh, there's some new versions of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. But uh, I-, I watched some trailer breakdowns of this with Jason Reitman, who's actually hosting it. And, I mean, there's the scene where they open up the containment unit in the first Ghostbusters. And, you know, all the spirits go out. And they're all kind of like almost like neon lights, like flying through New York City. They said they went back and got the original special effects of those kind of neon lights moving through the city and went and placed them in this new movie. They're doing everything they can to make sure they're paying tribute to the original and sticking to that universe the best they can. And and, and just like I said, it's, it's too big of a universe not to have fun with it. It was just back in the day, if you had a poor sequel, you know, they gave up. You know, I laugh at that idea now because, you know, the Fast and the Furious, you know, their sequels are just okay. They honestly really didn't start taking off until like the fifth or sixth one with The Rock, you know? So like, you know, back then it was just like you had one bad sequel. That was it. They walked away from it. Where now I think you can maybe get your franchise up and going again and and it, it needs to happen. But nostalgia is king. It just it, it, it is king. And for a guy like me who loves the 80s and grew up in the 80s, I know it sounds corny, but Ghostbusters is a big part of that. Sure. No doubt. Uh, what are we seeing next week, TM? Well, we'll see Free Guy next week. That is pretty much one of the last 20th Century Fox products that was meant to be for 20th Century Fox, but 
has kind of been delayed because of COVID and the Disney purchase when Disney bought them. So that's with Ryan Reynolds, where he's going to be inside the video game and kind of starts to break the code and everything else. I think it looks fun. It could be cool. But the big one, obviously, next week will be the Suicide Squad with James Gunn, who directed the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, taking another run at the Suicide Squad for D.C., and, uh, you know, like I said before, we talk about another wrestler that, that's kind of coming up. This, this is going to be a big summer for John Cena. He's already had it pretty big with the Fast and the Furious film playing the villain there. And then he gets to play Peacemaker in the Suicide Squad next week, which I have a feeling is going to have a lot of eyes on it, whether it has, you know, there on HBO Max because it'll be an HBO Max same-day re- release or in the theaters. But, you know, I told you guys back in May that – if there was one person I had my eye on this summer, it's John Cena. It's crazy to think, Will, professional wrestlers. But wow. That's where we're at, and they've earned it, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, you asked me, too, in, in our text today, what rides, you know, would you like to see made into a movie since Jungle Cruise was originally a ride? And it's a movie that's going to be coming out this year. The fourth movie, as a matter of fact, would be mine, The Matrix. I would love to see The Matrix made into a ride. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, The Matrix is another one, too. If you look at it, Will, one spectacular movie, two lousy sequels. Oh, I liked them. The sequels get worse. I liked them all. I was was not a fan of the sequels. Uh, I mean, the first one, obviously, is just... It, it, you know, it's just a huge film. You're know, taking the, you know, the blue pill, everything, every, you know, just everything with it. It's, it's a brilliant film, but I, I thought the sequels let us down. But yeah, The Matrix would be a fun ride, and we're getting that. I mean, that's once again, you're talking about tapping into that nostalgia. You know, The Matrix, I think people got a little nervous because, you know, the fan reaction wasn't too great to the second and third one. I've already said I was not a big fan of that. But once again, that's a big world to just walk away from if that makes any sense, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that was a huge franchise. Yeah, and you can do so much with it because it's computer-generated. Like, I like the fun they had in the second one with, like, the white twins and stuff like that. It was just, they were trying to get, to me, they were trying to get a little bit too deep with some of their story where I was just like, yo, yo, you don't need to get that deep. It's cool enough. Like, they were all being basically little engines, and we woke them up. Like, that's cool enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it was, you know, I understand that every story's been told between the Bible and Shakespeare. I get it. And it was kind of, I guess, that Jesus, you know, story, the Savior, the the one and all that. Sure. So I, I get it. I, I don't know what they're going to do with the fourth Matrix. It seemed like they wrapped it up in a tight little bow there towards the end. But uh, I'm I'm looking forward well, to it. Think, that, that'll be a movie that I definitely do see is Matrix 4. I, I think the fantasy realm of living in the Matrix can help bring anybody back, if that makes sense. You know? Yeah. So, but... But yeah, you know, something like that'd be cool. And I always say too, if they, if Disney wants to make like more rides, like you know, in the movies, how would you like a Figment ride, man? I like Figment from Epcot. Do something out of there. Do something different, you know. But I have a feeling they'll try to do you know haunted haunted mansion again, and and probably take another run at Pirates of the Caribbean at some point. That's another franchise Disney's not going to let go. And like I said, as much as you know, the pirate thing may seem to like a little overplayed, especially for us where we live and like where people pretend to be pirates a couple times of the year at the same time man it's a hell of a lot in the state without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.